Hi, my name's Alyssa. Thanks for watching today. Before we get started, we wanted to fill you in on our church. Here at Grace, we have a mission and a purpose. Our goal is to help people discover truth, decide on Jesus, demonstrate change, and deploy for others. If you're looking for a church, we would love for you to come be a part of what God is doing here at Grace. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. We would also like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. Check out ohiograce.com for a list of campuses and service times in your area. We have a great time gathering for music, hanging out, and learning about who God is and how that affects our lives. Thanks for watching, and we hope to see you here next week at Grace. Well, hey, how you guys doing this morning? All right, good, good, good. Last week I was in Chicago with the, uh, with the in-laws, visiting Kate's family, and we had a good time. Uh, but uh, because of that, AJ kicked off our new series called Redacted, where we were talking about truth that you can't say anymore, okay? So got a lot going on there. But uh, truth, just in general, let's say this. Truth is something that um, I can't focus with the TV moving behind me. I know you're there, Blaine. <laughs> what are you do? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> but truth is something that we, we can all agree. Like, truth is something we should all be searching for. We all agree on that? Okay. All right. And, uh, and that's an important thing. The world constantly talks to us about truth and preaches us truth. The world tells us that truth is whatever you want it to be. Right? So the world tells us, hey, what's true for you may not be true for me, and what's true for me may not be true for you. As long as you don't uh, push your truth on me, I won't push your truth on, on you, and, we'll, and everything, will be, everything will be all great. And we'll all love each other, and this will be great. But it's interesting, as you look around at the world, the world's constantly fighting about everybody else's truth. You notice that? Isn't that weird how that works? And you know why that is? I mean, think about it. We're fighting about politics and just you know, around here, but vaccines and masks, and the world is just a mess. You know why that is? Because everybody having their own truth doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't have it both ways. And so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about throughout this series. The good news for us with truth is that God has communicated with us, and his words are truth, and his words, they don't change based on how we're feeling. They don't change based on time. They stay the same because they are truth. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about some hard truth. Um, again, like what AJ was saying, if you, got, if you got young kids, I mean, you're the parent. You do whatever you want. I wouldn't want my kids sitting through listening to what we're going to be talking about today. And so I, I'd put them in grace kids um, where they probably actually enjoy the whole thing better. You know what I mean? Have fun. They don't have to listen to me. Probably all win-win for everybody. But, uh, but you know, do whatever you want. Um, but this morning, we're going to talk about some hard truth, and we're going to be talking about the whole topic of sexuality. And uh, that is a very broad term, and it's a very broad topic, and it's a big topic within our culture. Um, and so let me just get everything on the table real quick as we begin this. Um, every single one of us, I don't care how Christian you are, okay? Every single one of us, even if you spend your days driving, listening to your Christian music and reading your Bible and praying and, and being nice to everybody and the nicest person in the office, whatever it is, every single one of us all deal with sexual sin, 
okay? And we've all dealt with sexual sin within the past, right? This is something that's, that's a part of, of who we are, and, it, and there's temptation all around us. And the, the truth is that churches are too afraid to talk about it, okay? And, um, and this affects all of us, and so we really want to try to hit this um, uh, during this series at some point, and here we are. But uh, I'll be honest with you, there's many Sundays that I walk off stage, and... Um, and I'll, I'll think things, I'm like, man, I should have said it this way. Or, man, it would have been so much better if I would have said this instead of this. Or what I said, you know, didn't actually sound like what I meant. And, and going through all that, um, and I'm sure it will be the same as I walk off stage today. Okay, because I'm not the best at explaining things. And, um, and, you know, I'm not the best communicator necessarily. And so all I ask from you this morning is that you listen um, to what the Bible has to say, even if you disagree, I ask that you just give it some thought, okay? Um, what we're going to be talking about today is not my opinion, okay? Who cares what I think? You know, who cares? We're going to be talking about what God says. And, uh, and if you disagree, your fight is not with me, okay? Your fight is with God. So wrestle with that, all right? Um, but I'm always open to talk about stuff always about that. So uh, some of you guys have already made up your mind with what we're going to be talking about. And if you're honest with yourself, you know, deep down, there's nothing that I or the Bible says that is going to change your mind. Okay. Like, like be honest with yourself. And, and in all honesty, you know, deep down that because of that, you know, that God is not Lord of your life. Okay. He's not the one in charge. He's not, he's not the king of your life. You're the king of your life. And I just want to say, we are glad that you're here. Okay. We want you here. This is, this is where you find truth. Um, you are more than welcome to be here. This is where I, I feel like you belong. And so we want to invite you to come all the way in, all right, jump in on a Bible study, talk with a pastor, meet with a pastor. We got nothing to hide. We want you to ask your questions. We want you to, to push back. We want you to have your doubts. You can bring your anger. You can bring your hurt. We'll take it all. Um, we want you here, and this is a good place for you to be um, the whole idea of sexuality and all the issues that come with it, okay, is not the center of Christianity, okay? It's just not. And so don't let today's talk, my challenge is for you, don't let today's talk hold you back from growing in your relationship with Jesus or hold you back from discovering Jesus. It's not worth it, okay, for you. Um, the truth is, everybody here, we're all a bunch of jacked up, messed up, terrible, awful, horrible people, okay, including myself. Um, we're sinful people, and uh, I was actually talking with this guy this week and who I'm pretty confident is not a Christian. Uh, he thinks he is, but uh, everybody does. But uh, uh, he was just saying to me, he's like, hey, man, if you call yourself a Christian, he was talking about somebody else, uh, but he's saying, hey, if you call yourself a Christian, man, you better back that up with a good life. And I'm like, yeah. That's true, you know, I, I, I agree with that, obviously, but, uh, but then he was like, otherwise, you're a hypocrite, and I'm like, man, we're all hypocrites, okay? Every single person here, I, on Sunday mornings, the stuff I'm talking about, I'm not good at, okay? Like, I'm learning just like you're learning, and I'm going through it just like you're going through it. If you, if you doubt that, man, I'm flattered, but you can ask my wife. She'll tell you all about it, but, uh, but we're all hypocrites, you know? We're, we're all messed up. I fail Every single week, I fail every single day, and the Bible has a lot to say to people like me and to people like us. Actually, one time, Paul, he writes a letter and, uh, to a group of Christians that struggle with the same stuff we do, especially when it came to the realm of sexual sin. And uh, these people lived in this huge city called 
Corinth. Okay, now Paul, um, at this time that he writes this letter, Paul knew Corinth. He knew the people there. He loved the people there. Paul's the one who actually started this church a few years before. And uh, in, when he starts this church in this city called Corinth, uh, people start giving their lives over to Jesus. Like God starts working. It's an incredible thing that happened. And it wasn't easy for these people. Okay, it wasn't like Tiffin, Ohio, you know, it, there was a lot of stuff going on. Corinth was known throughout the Roman Empire as like a wild, wild place. It was this crazy place. I mean, it was like, you know, what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. You don't, you know, you don't take it out um, unless, you know, you contract it and then you're stuck with it for the rest of your life, I guess. But, uh, you know, originally it was a Greek city. We know from history in 146 BC, the Roman Empire came in and just demolished Corinth. It was this awesome, great city. They just came in and they didn't just destroy Corinth or, or defeat them. They like, they like you know, tore everything down. They killed every man and they enslaved every woman and every child, okay? That's what the Romans did. And Corinth was no more. They literally erased it off the map. In fact, the Roman Empire, they made a law. They said, hey, no one is allowed to live in that, one, in that place that was once called Corinth. Okay? It's illegal to live there. A hundred years after that, right, so 40 years or so before Jesus was born, um, Julius Caesar, who we've probably all heard about, hey, he was the, the, the Caesar of Rome, he comes in. And, um, and he decides, hey, you know, this place where Corinth was 100 years ago, I mean, this, you know, there's a bunch of important routes, roads going through there, and it would be a great trading hub. And so he's like, hey, let's rebuild this city. And so he starts rebuilding the city right before his death. And the guy after him, he, they, they rebuild the city. And, um, and it ends up becoming a major trading hub for Rome. It becomes the capital of the province. It ends up becoming the third largest city within the Roman Empire. People moved there from all around. Remember, it started out with a population of zero, okay? People moved there from all around Rome. It became the entertainment center of Rome, and, Rome, and this place was, only, was less than 100 years old. It was like a brand new city that was known for their wealth. I mean, this was a place where if you had money, you flaunted it, okay? That's what you were supposed to do. Not only that, but this place was the melting pot of religion, where they, they worship Greek gods, they worship Roman gods. Uh, there's a fragment that some archaeologists found a few years ago that said, um, some guys writing say, I pray to all gods, okay? So that's like the thought process of, a, of a, an average Corinthian. And... Um, and they had this famous temple. They had temples to the, you know, to the emperor. They had temples to all these different gods. One of their most famous temples was the temple to Aphrodite, who was the goddess of love. Okay, fitting. Um, this temple had housed a thousand priestesses who during the night would come and walk the streets of Corinth looking for anybody they could possibly find to have sex with. Okay, that's what, and that was, by the way, practicing their religion. Like, that was cool. That's what everybody wanted to do. And so, uh, and so that's kind of the thought process of everybody in their, in their mind. Even the ancient world, by the way, viewed Corinth as just a morally bad place. Okay, not a place you want to go after dark. Um, they actually coined, uh, they actually came up with a new word. It was a Greek word uh, that was like, hey, you're doing something wrong. Hey, you're behaving like a Corinthian. Okay, they came up with a word just to describe it. This is not an easy place to birth a church. But these people were giving their lives 
to Jesus, and God was working there. And so uh, one day, Paul, he's traveling throughout uh, Europe, and he hears, he gets this report that this new church they had planted a few years before in Corinth, that things were not going well, that things were bad. He got a report that people were suing each other, that people were disrupting the church. There's a bunch of arrogant people. There's a bunch of prideful people. Um, when they would take communion, <laughs> this is kind of funny. When they would take communion, I mean, actually not funny, I guess. I'm I'm a bad person, okay. But I'm trying to think God probably wouldn't find that funny at all. But when they would take communion, the people in the front, you know, they go down a line or whatever, they pass it around, but the people in the front would eat all the bread so that the people at the end didn't have bread to eat. Okay, what's up with that? Um, they also would, the people at the front would drink all the wine so they could, and they were getting drunk at church while taking communions, and then the people at the end were like, well, we didn't get any, what's up with that? You know, it's, uh, and so Paul hears about this, he hears that people within the church, like leaders and stuff, were sleeping with prostitutes and probably some of these temple priestesses. And that one guy who was probably a leader, he was sleeping with his stepmom. Not cool. Yeah. Let's not practice that. Um, so, like, think about it. There's some bad stuff going on within this church, and the church was okay with it. They're like, oh, you know, that's your truth, right? It's very similar to what we do, you know, in our culture. But the culture in Corinth, while it's very similar to to what we have today, they were, they were under the idea that, hey, they wanted to be cool with God while still following the culture. You know, they wanted to have heaven and new life. Like, that sounds pretty good to them, but they still wanted their old life. I mean, these are people who, again, sound very much like people around us who are like, hey, I can do what I want with who I want whenever I want. I can do whatever I want with my body, but I'm going to give my heart and soul to Jesus Jesus, you have my heart and soul, but my body is mine. My body is my own. Well, they have nothing to do with each other. What's going on on the inside is completely different than what's going on, on the outside. These are people who would say, sex is just physical. It's just physical, not a big deal. Who cares if it happens? You know, it's, it's, it's not that big of a deal. So, you guys ready to dive in here? Because Paul's going to come out swinging. All right, I'm just letting you know. This is going to get real, and people are going to get upset real quick. Okay, so... 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. He says, I mean, this is God. He says, do not be deceived. He's like, don't let the world lie to you. No sexual, sexually immoral people, which we're going to talk about what that word means in a few minutes. Idolaters, adulterers, or males who have sex with males. No thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. Okay, let's stop and talk about this because this is some heavy stuff. Um, Homosexuality, hot topic in today's culture. I mean, it's a big deal. It's extremely, it's an extremely emotional topic. And most of us, if not every single person in this room, we all know people or we all have close relationships with people who are gay, okay? I do. I have good friends who are gay, okay? Friends that I grew up with. I have, um, I have family members who are gay. And so there's people that, that, that we care about who are gay. I spent part of my, you know, I've had to deal with this for a, long life, for a long time, and I've really had to wrestle with, hey, what's God saying here? What's the deal, God? And uh, at one point in my life, I lived in the second largest, um, I actually worked at a church and lived in the second largest um, gay uh, community in the United States, Boys Town in Chicago. And so I've dealt with this stuff. But the world tells us that we as Christians have two options. Okay, this is what the world's telling us. Either have affirmation or alienation. The world tells us there's no other way. Either you 100% support a homosexual lifestyle or we hate homosexuals. 
okay? Let me just say this. That is not Christian. Either option is not biblical, and either option is, is not from God, okay? It's not the only options that we have. Jesus constantly taught us that we as Christians, we are to show love to every single person. It doesn't matter if you agree with them. It doesn't matter what sin they're dealing with. It doesn't matter because we're all messed up, all right? It, it, it just doesn't matter. I mean, that's why we here at Grace, that's why we welcome everyone just as you are. It doesn't, your past does not matter to us. It doesn't matter how messed up, jacked up, horrible person you are. Because every single one of us are messed up, jacked up, horrible, terrible, awful people. Okay? Again, including myself. And so the question that everybody wants to ask is this. And I've, I've had this question asked me a whole bunch since we've moved here to Tiffin. Um, it's this. Is homosexuality wrong? Does your church believe that homosexuality wrong, is wrong? And so this is what i got to do. First, we have to define the terms. Okay? Because there's some stuff in here. It's complicated. We totally understand Right? That there are many people who struggle with same-sex attraction, okay, or who are same-sex attracted. Maybe I'll say that. Um, being attracted to the same sex is not sin, okay? Some of you Christians, you need to understand that, okay? Same-sex attraction is not sin. You cannot argue from the Bible that it is. Every single one of us, we are all tempted by sin. That's what scripture tells us, okay? We struggle with different sin, okay? Some people, they struggle with anger. Some of you struggle with alcoholism, okay? Some of you struggle with, there's just violence. Like, you're just more prone to react that way. Every single one of us, including me, definitely me, we all struggle and we are tempted. And the Bible tells us that temptation is not a sin. I mean, you even look at Jesus. Jesus was tempted, okay? He didn't mess up. So same-sex attraction is not wrong, right? Now, physically or mentally acting on same-sex attraction, Paul says clearly, it's wrong. I don't know how anybody could argue against that using the Bible. By the way, it's not any worse than any other sexual sin. Okay, some of us Christians, we need to understand. It is wrong just like physically and mentally acting on a heterosexual all right, attraction outside of marriage is sin. Okay, that's what we see in the Bible. The Bible's super clear on that. I mean, actually, um, some translations, they use the, the phrase, which, you know, I, I have out, just because this is a hot topic. Again, not saying this worse than anything else, but the males who have sex with males, this is what, this is what Paul describes. All right, many translations, they just put homosexuality there. It's actually in the Greek, it goes way deeper. It's way more detailed here. Um, in the Greek, it actually defines the guy, the guy receiving and the guy giving okay, or the effeminate and the aggressive. I mean, in the Greek, God is extremely detailed here. And so there's no question what God is saying. It's, hey, that is not how I designed you. That's not what I want for you, and that's not what's best for you. And again, it's not that homosexuality is the worst. It's all bad is what Paul is saying. That's why he groups it in a list of all these things that we shouldn't be doing. Now, check out what Paul says next. He actually lists out... Um, all these things that are wrong. Um, and this is what he says. He says, and some of you, you used to be like this. He's like, that whole list? Some of you, 
He's like, you guys used to struggle with this, okay? You guys used to be adulterers. You guys used to cheat on your husband and your wife. You guys used to be gay. You guys used to be drunk all the time. You guys used to be greedy or thieves. Or you guys used to be just verbally abusive to people around you or to the people within your family. See, what Paul's saying here is he's saying, you guys used to be this, but you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. He's saying something Change. See, what Paul is trying to do, he's trying to contrast people who have a relationship with God uh, with people who don't have a relationship uh, with God. See, last week, if you were here, AJ, he talked about identity and how that's an important thing, and that's really an important thing within our culture, uh, you know, today. But uh, Paul, he's pointing to like that. He's saying, hey, you used to find your identity in being a Adulterer, you used to find your identity in being gay, or you used to be find your identity in just being in being greedy. Like that's what people knew you, you know, knew about you, knew of you. But when you gave your life to Jesus, guess what God did? While you were doing all that stuff, God paid for every single one of the things you ever did wrong. He paid for it. And he sets you free, or he wants to set you free. See, the truth is our church is filled with people who used to be defined by their sin. Our church is filled with people who cheated on their spouses, okay? In this room, our church is filled with people who used to be alcoholics, who were known for their greed, who were verbally abusive to others. Our church has men who, were, who are attracted, who are attracted to the same sex and lived that lifestyle for years of their life, but now are happily married with their wife and kids. Do they still struggle with same-sex attraction? I'll be honest, I've never asked, but I'm sure they do. I don't think that just goes away. But their lives have changed because they found their identity in Jesus and not in what the world told them their identity was in. Paul, he goes on in verse 15. He says, however, the body is not for sexual immorality. Now, this word for sexual immorality, it's a, it's a word in the Greek called porneo, Okay. Guess what word we get from that in the English? Okay, I think we can all get that. Um, it's called uh, porneo, and uh, it's, this is really like the junk drawer of sex. Okay, how many of you guys have a junk drawer at home? Okay, our house, we have like six. <laughs> we, <laughs> I counted them, and I might have missed like seven. Okay, I don't know. But, uh, you know, a junk drawer, we all got them. Isn't that kind of weird that we all have a drawer that you just put all your junk in? <coughs> Stuff that you don't even really need, you know? Um, it's just it's just kind I don't know why that is, but we all do. Um, it's just kind of have a little bit of everything in there. You know what I'm talking about? That's what the Greek word pornea, pornea is, okay? It's, it's, it includes like a little bit of everything within the sexual realm, category, okay? Um, basically, pornea, pornea is anything sexual except God's design for sex. And you know what God's design for sex is? We see this in the Bible all over the place. God's design for sex is one man, one woman, only in marriage. Meaning the Bible is telling us that sex is for married people. Okay? It's not used to be married. It's not wish I was married. It's not going to be married. It's only for married people. And marriage, within the Bible context, within God's, you know, what God tells us, he says marriage is one man and one woman committed for life. That's what marriage is. And so it doesn't matter if you're gay or you're straight or you're bi or whatever. Anything outside of that is the word pornea. See, sometimes I, I have people ask me, they're like, well, you know, I get Paul, he says a bunch of these things, but Jesus, I mean, you look at Jesus, Jesus was God, right? Jesus never specifically mentions, like, what I do. 
so it's not that big of a deal. Jesus never specifically mentions homosexuality, or Jesus never specifically mentions watching porn, or Jesus never specifically mentions lust or, or my thought life, which isn't even true, or Jesus never specifically mentions flirting with my coworker. Like, that's just, that's just not this big of a deal. See, that's what we do, right? This is what we, we all do this with, with any kind of sin, but specifically with sexual sin, is we try to justify it. We, we tried to say, hey, well, you know, we, we come up with all these reasons about why our situation all right, is, is okay or why our situation is just, is just different. And so it's not that big of a deal. But Jesus used this word. Jesus used this word several, time, several times, pornea. He used this word to describe everything. He's using a very general word saying, hey, it's all the same. Like it all matters. Actually, one time, Jesus, he got so specific. He's like, hey, you think you're good because you never cheated on your husband or wife? Like, you think you're a pretty good person because, hey, I was committed. You know, I didn't always love it, but, you know, I was, I've been committed, never cheated on my husband or wife. Jesus is like, you don't understand what sin is. Sin starts from the inside. He says, if you've ever looked at somebody and, and desired them in a sexual way, you have ever thought about it. Not just you did it. I'm saying if you ever thought about it, he's like, it's the same thing. He's like, man, it's sin. It's wrong, Jesus says. It's the same sin like in your heart. He's saying, however, the body is not for pornea. The Bible is not for all that, whole category of sin, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. He says, God's raised up the Lord, the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. He says, don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? He's, Paul, this is Paul. Right, he's, he's, trying to, he's reasoning with this. He's like, he's like, don't you get this? When we become a Christian, okay, which not everybody in this room has given their lives over to Jesus. We totally get that. But when we give our lives over to Jesus, um, when we start that relationship, which, by the way, has to start sometime. It doesn't start when you're born, okay? It's a decision that every single person has to make within their life. But when we become a Christian, we invite God into our life, the Bible tells us that God moves in to our life. Okay, he, in a sense, he kind of becomes a part of us, like he lives within us. And so Paul's reminding the Corinthian church, and he's reminding us today that, hey, you know how that works? Like when you become a Christian, God moves in. He's saying, hey, using that logic, think about it. Don't you know that your bodies are part of Christ's body? So should I take a part of Christ's body and make it a part of a prostitute? He's like, no way. Like, you have to follow the logic here. He's like, you know, absolutely not. See, Paul, he, he uses this example of sleeping around, um, sleeping with a prostitute specifically, but which, by the way, the people in this church were doing. But this applies to anything, any sexual sin. See, he's pointing out, he's saying, hey, when you sin... Or when you do wrong or do something that's not how God designed in a sexual way, it's almost like, think about this, guys. It's almost like you're dragging Jesus through it too. You ever think about that? It's like anything you do wrong in a sexual way, think about it. You are dragging Jesus through that too. In verse 16, he says, next verse, he says, Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? For Scripture says, he says, the two will become one flesh. Here, Paul, he's pointing all the way back into Genesis and saying, hey, you remember how God created marriage? Like, you remember how God created sex? Because, by the way, God invented sex. This isn't something we're like, oh, wow, we could do this. You know, that's not how it worked. God invented it. It was his idea. 
He's saying, hey, that's how marriage is supposed to work. The two come together, and after they are married, okay, or when they are married, they, um, you know, they become one through that act. It says, but anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So he's just pointing this out. He's saying, when we start a relationship with Jesus, he moves in, and we have this special, connected, this special connection with our creator. Okay, that's what happens. And then he's also pointing out that, hey, when we have sex with our spouse, we become one with that person in God's eyes. Like, there's a special connection there when we have sex with our husband or our wife. See, that's not what the Corinthians were understanding here. It's not how they viewed life. For them, it's not a big deal. You know, they're like, you know, I don't even know this person, so I'm not, like, becoming one with them. Like, it's only a night. It's only a one-night thing. It's not a big deal, all right? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't get what the, what the problem is here. See, that's what they're not understanding. He's like, I don't even know them. See, this is what Paul's trying to get us all to understand. See, sex connects us at the soul level. You get that? Sex connects us at the soul level. That is how God designed it. It's not our idea. This isn't my opinion. Okay, that's how God designed it. And we're only supposed to have that soul-level connection with someone that we have already committed to spending the rest of our life with. So it's a big deal. It's not just for anybody. It, let me just say one thing, especially to ladies. Um, ladies, make him wait. Okay, before you give your body to him, make him marry you. That's what the Bible wants. Before he, you give your body over to him, make him commit to you for life because you're worth it. That's how God has designed marriage, and that's how God has designed sex. It's a big thing. So in verse 18, he says, flee sexual immorality. He's saying flee, get out of there. This word, this word flee, or flee porneo. He, this word flee here, it, in, the, in the original language, in the Greek, um, it means run. Okay, it means, and it's, it's more than just run, like, you know, I'm going for a run. To, no, no, no. This is like run with urgency because there is danger the other way. Okay, this is, and it's, it's even a continuous thing. He uses it in the present tense, which means this is something we should always be doing. It's not, hey, yeah, I ran. No, it's, hey, we are constantly running, whether we're same-sex attracted or whether we're attracted to the opposite sex. He says we need to flee sleeping with our boyfriend or girlfriend. We need to sleep, flee pornography. We need to flee lust or sexual desires for that person or him or for her. And the problem that we have that all of us deal with sometimes is that we don't flee. We don't run. You know what we do? We flirt with it. We do this with temptation all the time, by the way. We flirt with temptation. Actually, King Solomon, who, by the way, was the wisest man ever to have lived, um, in the Old Testament, he actually writes about this in Proverbs chapter 7. Just check out this, like, quick little story that he gives. He says, hey, one time I was at the window of my house, his palace. He says, I looked through the lattice, and, uh, and I saw among the inexperienced, I noticed among the youths a young man lacking sense. You know what lacking sense means? Dumb, okay? <laughs> Saying this dude was dumb. All right. He said, crossing the street near her corner, he strolled down the road to her house at twilight, in the evening, in the dark of the night, where no one could see. He says, a woman came to meet him. 
She was dressed like a prostitute and having a hidden agenda. See, that's what sin looks like. That's how we treat sexual sin, by the way. We rationalize it in our minds. Okay, this is what we all do. See, this guy has a choice, right? And Solomon, he's watching him do this. He's looking at him, and Solomon knows kind of what's going on in this guy's mind. This guy has a choice. He's at the corner. He could go right or he could go left. He could go towards her house or he could go away from her house. Now, think about it. It's not wrong to go towards her house, is it? That's not sin. That's not wrong. This is how we all think. It's not wrong to go that way. What Solomon's saying? Yeah, it's not wrong. He's saying it's just dumb, you know? It's just, it's just stupid. It's, it's dumb to flirt with it or to get close. I mean, think about this. You're watching a movie. You're at home or, I don't know, maybe you're in theater or whatever. Sex scene comes on, okay, and you're, so you're watching that. And what, what do we think? Well, it's just a movie. It's not that big of a deal, right? It's just, it's just a movie, not a big deal. Um, you know, i got to finish the series. I need to finish the season. I need to know what happens. Everybody else is watching. Maybe you're even thinking about, like, well, you know, I know this couple at church, they watched it. And this couple at church, they're really into this series, like, way more than I am. And so that's, how, that's what we do. Or think about this. Ladies, you go, you go to the gym at that time. Why? Because he's there. Nothing's ever going to, nothing's ever happened I mean, you would never, he's married, and, and you're married, and, and so, you know, that's just off the table, but man, you know, you just, you just enjoy being around him, and, and there's something about it. When you pull into the parking lot, and you see his car, you see his truck, that kind of happens within you. Some excitement there. Or maybe you're with your girlfriend or boyfriend, and you know, you're thinking, you're, you know, you're with your girlfriend or boyfriend and, and you get a place together, okay? You're not married yet and you're thinking, hey, it's not a big deal. You know, I talk to people like this all the time where it's like, hey, I'm, we're saving money, right? So that's good and it's, you know, it's good to save your money that, <laughs> that way or, or we think to ourselves, hey, we're going to get married eventually or, hey, we're engaged, so, you know, we're basically married or, you know, what's the big deal with watching a little porn? That, you know, that doesn't hurt anybody, it's not like I'm actually doing it. Let me explain real quick to most guys, but some women, okay, exactly what's going on. Let me just say it out loud, okay, because I don't think we say it out loud. We reason it. We have all these reasons. This is what we're doing. We say, hey, yeah, I'm going to stay committed to my family, and I'm going to stay committed to my wife, and I'm going to put my kids to bed, and I'm going to kiss my wife goodnight because I do love her. I can't deny that. And then I'm going to go downstairs, and I'm going to open up my laptop or open up my phone and then watch other people's wives and other people's daughters have sex with each other. Sounds crazy when you say it out loud. Man, if you think, this is what Solomon's saying, if you think that watching a sex scene, or watching sex scenes, let's just say, because it happens all the time, um, or getting emotionally attached to that guy, or having a, a, a sex with your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, or your fiance, or watching a little porn, if you think that doesn't negatively affect you, or the people around you, I mean, here's Solomon, he's, he's just saying, are you serious right now? Solomon would be saying, are you dumb? No. It affects you. Even science proves to us that it affects our brain. Solomon finishes his story in verse 21. He says, she seduces him with her persistence, persistent pleading, and she lures him with with her flattering talk. He says, he follows her impulsively like an ox going to the slaughter like a deer bounding towards a trap. I mean, it's all hormones going right now. And, uh, and until an arrow pierces this lever like a bird darting into a snare, he doesn't know that it's going to cost him his life. 
See, that's what sexual sin does. Not just to young men. To all of us. Right? It lures us in. And it destroys us from the inside out. Okay? It messes us up. And every day, the reality for us is that we're at that corner choosing which road we're going to walk down. One is safe. The other leads to destroying our life. Paul, he finishes saying, man, flee, run, get out of there, do whatever you have to do with urgency, pornea, or sexual immorality. He says, every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. What's he saying here? He's just like, man, sexual sin is just, it's just different. Like, it's just different. It, it, It sticks to the soul more. He says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. It's for you were bought at a price. Like Jesus came down and it cost him. Okay, he paid for you. And it cost him something. So glorify God with your body. See, Paul's just saying, bottom line, man, if you're a Christian, your body is not even yours. You don't even own your own body. Right? It's God's. And because of that, you need to glorify God with your body. And because of that, Paul's just like, then use it for good. It's God's. Right? Use it for good. It's almost like he's saying, as I read this, it's like, if it's not enough knowing that, you know, when we sin sexually that Jesus is actually a part of our body, so that's kind of messed up, or that when we sin sexually that, that we're actually dragging Jesus through it, or when we sin sexually that, that it's actually a soul-level connection with that person and it's kind of a big deal, or that when we sin sexually that, that it really ends up destroying our life. Like, if none of those reasons, if those aren't good enough and you don't care about those enough, then maybe understanding that your body is Jesus' property, maybe that might persuade you. I don't know. See, look, temptation for sexual sin is all around us. It's everywhere, man. I mean, everywhere you look, you, commercial, I mean, any, it's everywhere. Paul's saying there's not one that's worse than the other. They're all the same, same giant category. Paul's saying, man, you need to run. Does that mean you'll never be tempted in that way ever again? No. It's part of our life. It's living a sinful world, of course. It's going to pop up over and over again. That's why it's in the present tense. That's why it's saying, keep running. Don't flirt with it. Turn your eyes the other way. Get out of that situation. Do whatever you got to do with urgency. Get out of there. Because there's real danger there. Maybe we don't see it. Maybe we've never experienced it, but I don't think that's true. I think we all have. Maybe you just don't realize that you've experienced it. But there is danger there that messes us up. And so some people in here, I'm just telling you, man, you need to take some drastic measures because you've gone so far down that hole, (laughs) you don't think that you can get out. I'm telling you, you can. So some people, maybe you need to stop hanging out with him or her. Maybe you need to break up. Just throwing that out there. Maybe you need to move out. Maybe you need to find another gym. Maybe you need to turn off the TV and do something else with your time. 
Maybe you need to stop watching that series, man. I don't know what it is for you. But God tells us to run and get out because he cares for us. It's not because he wants to set up all these roadblocks saying, hey, you can't have any fun. It's not it. She's saying, hey, I want you to have fun the right way, the way that you were designed. Something we all need to hear. Let's pray. God, we, uh, man, this is, this is some tough stuff. And every single one of us struggle, and every single one of us have struggled. And it's a constant fight. It's like a constant war. But God, we, we know that we can win with you, and that isn't going to be super easy. <laughs> Some of us are so far down the hole. God, we ask that you would help pull us out. We need your help. We desperately need your help. We got habits and we're addictions, and it's just all this stuff, God. And you're the only one who can fix us. And we ask that you would. And you promise that you will. And we just have to give our life over to you. God, we thank you for these words, and we thank you for caring about us. You don't have to tell us this. You don't have to care, but you do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching, and we hope to see you here next week at Grace.